Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God, for the administration of his service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of the ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and to all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Brother Marvin, would you pray over the word? Amen. You may be seated. Good to see everybody here today. I hope that you, uh, it looks like that you have survived the uh, Thanksgiving turkey. Amen. But we have all here today and we're thankful for the glory of the Lord that we've already felt and we know that he's here with us. But this morning I have, uh, the, the, the message I have for this morning I think is fitting for the holiday that you and I just celebrated. We just celebrated Thanksgiving Day, which is a day we know of giving thanks. And this morning I want to talk to you about the manifestation of true thanksgiving. We think of manifestation of thanksgiving only in the form of worship. But the truth of the matter is worship is more of an expression than it is of a manifestation. A manifestation is an event, action, or object that clearly shows or embodies something. It is a sign, action, or fact that reveals a theory or an abstract idea. So worship may express that we believe in God, but the manifestation of God has to be revealed in fruit more than just an expression. Can I tell you, it is easy to give forms of expression. It is easy to give words from our mouth. It is easy to give uh, body language through our body. But it's another thing to bring forth fruit or evidences by revealing it through our human behavior, our character, and an obedient lifestyle in, uh, that we set forth in Jesus Christ. Thanksgiving can only be seen in gratitude. Where there is no gratitude, there really is no thankfulness. And the word gratitude means the quality of being thankful and a readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. And the measure of our thanks is revealed then in the measure of our giving. Giving is the manifestation of thanksgiving. Thankfulness will always manifest, manifest itself in giving back. How many knows that? 
I said thankfulness will always manifest itself in giving back. A man can say that he's thankful all that he wants, but he can only prove it when he displays it with his willingness to give. We've all heard the old saying, actions speak louder than words, but all too often our words outweigh our actions. But folks, our actions are to outweigh our words. It's a lot easier to say, well, I am thankful than it is to truly show that we are thankful by our actions. Did you know that giving is actually the measuring stick to our Christian submission to Jesus Christ? Giving was considered in verse 13 by the Apostle Paul as our submission to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, your giving is a submission, a direct manifestation of your submission to the gospel of Jesus Christ. A godly man will be a given man, not only in his resources and his money, but in his time and his energy for the kingdom of God. All men that give may not be godly, but I want to tell you something. If you're a godly man, you'll be a giving man. If a man strives to be like God and live out godly principles, I want to tell you something. He'll be a man that'll give of himself and give of his resources. Why? Because God is a giving God. Giving is the very nature of God. John 3, 16, the great unspeakable gift for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is why that Paul said in verse 15 of our text, he said, thank God for his unspeakable gift. How many is thankful for the gift of his son, Jesus Christ? It is an unspeakable gift because who can fathom God given of himself of something more than he loved than more than himself? He gave his only begotten son. God loves for, God's love for us was expressed more than through his words, but it was manifested through his sacrifice of his own son. God's actions speak louder than his words. He proved his love to us by giving us his unspeakable gift. And it wasn't just verbal words, I love you church, I love you Joe, I love you Susie, I love you Ken, but the fruit and the evidence of the love was shown through his actions. He literally sent his son to the cross to die for you and I. Giving is one of the divine attributes of God. As a matter of fact, James chapter 1 verse 17 tells us, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above and cometh down from the Father of lights where there's neither verbalness nor shadow of turning. Every good thing that you and I have ever received in life was given to us by God. Every good gift that you have, whether it be a spouse or whether it be a home, whether it be a car, you said, no, I work for that. God gave you the ability to work. God gave you the job so that you could buy that home or whatever. Every good thing that you have has been given to you by God. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God down to us from the Father of lights. Can you just give him praise for everything that he's given to you in life? He's given you life. Amen. Praise God. But I don't have the time this morning to go through all the scriptures that's focused on giving. And this is a topic that I very rarely ever, ever preach on. But the Lord would not allow me to get away from it. But there's one plain fact spelled out all throughout scripture, all throughout the word of God. And that is that God means for his people to be given people. Romans 8 and 32 says that we have freely received all things. Aren't you glad that we have freely received all things? And then in Matthew 10 and 8 says that you freely have received, then you're to freely 
to give? What are we supposed to do with the benefits and the blessings that God has bestowed upon us? We are to give out of our abundance. We are to give back. What we have freely received, we are freely to give. Amen? If God's given us the ability to have time, then we're to sow time into the kingdom of God. If God's given us the ability to have resources, we're to sow resources back into the kingdom of God. Everything that God has given to me, he expects me in the return then to begin to give it back and to be resourceful with my life and be good stewards for the sake of the kingdom of the Lord. Giving always in scripture is tied together with thankfulness and or thanksgiving. You have not truly been thankful until it's manifested in your giving. You have not really been thankful to God if you're not a giver to God. According to the Apostle Paul, giving unto God is actually a thank offering for the blessings that God has bestowed and given unto us. Listen to what he says in verse 11 and 12 of our text. I want to do it in the NIV. He says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion that through us your generosity result into thanksgiving unto God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the saints and the people of the Lord, but is also overwhelming and overflowing in many expressions of thanks unto God. Now listen to what he's saying. He says, God says, I bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. And the reason that God enriches us as his people is so that he, we can bless on every occasion. Did you know something about this scripture that we don't really pay attention to? And that is that God promises us that if a need is brought up in this body that is legit, legitimate. Now, there are some things that God don't have the body to give to because they don't want to enable people, enable their slothfulness and things of that nature. And there's some things that it's not intended for this body to take care of. It's intended for them to take care of themselves. And there's, a, there's dividing lines. I can't get into all of that today. But if there is true legitimate needs that rise up in a body that God, according to this scripture, has enriched us that we are able to respond and meet that need. That's why the word of God has said that you will never face a need that God will not meet. Can I have an amen? How many believe that? God wants his people to prosper. He even said he wanted us to be blessed in every way so that when needs arise, we can respond in blessing and provide for the saints. And we'll have the ability to do so because we've been blessed. How can you bless others if you're not blessed yourself? Look at somebody and say, God wants to bless you. Amen. God wants his body to be enriched in every way so that we can be generous on every occasion. That every occasion that comes by, that you and I will have seed to sow into that because God has blessed us previously so that we can have the seed in order to sow when the time comes of something that God wants us to sow in. Amen? God is wanting to really bless some people here this morning. I want to tell you that. We are blessed to be a blessing. Paul made it very clear that thankfulness has not been manifested until one expresses it within his giving. A stingy man is an unthankful man. A non-tither is a robber according to the word of the Lord. As a matter of fact, the man that doesn't get back into the kingdom is considered a wicked and a slothful servant in the parable of Matthew chapter 25, considering the talents. And that man that was wicked and slothful was turned out into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Folks, that's harsh. These are some of the harsh words that are spoken against those believers that hold their resources up for themselves. God dislikes stinginess and greediness. Can I have an amen? 
The amount that we give is one of the true measuring rods of our Christian submission. Stinginess and greediness stems from the sinful root of selfishness, which is nothing more than what we would call ungodly lust. 90% of the time, You mark my words as a pastor because I've watched this trend. 90% of the time, one of the first signs or evidences that a Christian is backsliding is his lack or withdrawal from his giving. There's times that somebody ain't been here in six or eight weeks and we'll find out about it and sometimes we'll know it earlier and we'll call upon them or whatever and we'll find out they're sick or they're traveling or whatever. But I can go to my secretary and I can tell you if they're in trouble or not because I can go to her and I say, hey, so-and-so ain't been here in three or four weeks. How's their giving? Well, they've been slacking off. I said, we've got to call them. Something's wrong. We've got to get on top of that right now. Because I want to tell you something. When people begin to withdraw from their giving, it affects everything else in line to what they're going to do with their lives. Can I have an amen? It's a sign that they are turning carnally instead of spiritually. But true giving actually enlarges a man. It reveals the true depth of his Christian commitment. They say that one of the last things that a man gives up in the kingdom of God and gets sanctified in the lordship of Jesus Christ is his pocketbook. Then with one of the hardest things that we wrestle, it was one of the hardest things that I wrestled. I've told the testimony over and over and over how my wife has literally discipleship me in giving. And now we try to outgive each other at times. And she's just a giver. And sometimes it still gets on my nerves just a little bit. Can I have an amen? She is a given woman. She gives like there's no other. And I want to tell you, and, that, and the, that's why the Miller family is blessed beyond measure. When a man's pocketbook is sanctified, the man is holy on his way to Christian maturity. They say that most men's pocketbooks are made out of dog hide, and when you reach for it, it growls and barks at you. Amen? And I'm not going to tell you what I heard about what the women's pocketbooks are made out of. Amen? Nothing will show to be solid whether it's ministry, Christian service, whether it's kindness, whether it's honesty, all these good things, church attendance, unless it's tested by a true sense of gratitude by the way that you and I give. If a man is unwilling to give of his substance, then everything that he else that he does is superfluous because they're not doing it with a proper heart. In the parable found in Luke chapter 11, verse 5, he says, if any of you have a friend come up to you at midnight. Now, how many of you would respond to a friend like this? says, I can't meet your need because it's late and my family's asleep. Go on and we'll pray for you. And then the Bible says, what good is prayer if you do not rise up and give them the necessary things that they need for their survival? In other words, we a lot of times will say, we love you. And then when needs presented to us, well, we'll pray for you. Well, sometimes they don't only need prayer, they need help. Come on. And it's not always in the form of monetary money. Sometimes it's in a helping hand. Sometimes it's just in an encouraging word or whatever. But every work, motive, attitude that you have is going to be tested by your giving. Did you know that? They say the problem in the 21st century is this, that the churches of America cater to the givers. I've heard that all of my life. Oh, that pastor caters to the givers. What do you want him to do? Caters to the non-givers? Hello? Jesus seemed to also cater to the givers in the parable of the talent. He took of the man that had the one talent and hid it. He gave it to the man that had five talents. He did not give it to the man that had the two talents. Why? Why didn't he give it to the guy that had the lesser? You know why? Because God will give more to those he can trust more with. The more that you do with what God gives you, the more he'll give to you to do with. I wish I could say that again. Amen? 
The more that God gives you to do with, if you'll do it, then God will give you more. Can I have an amen? God will give to those in whom he can trust. Actually, according to the word of God, giving is one of the manifestations of a godly character. And a lack of giving is nothing more than a sign of selfishness and self-centeredness. Paul, in our text, is giving the principles of giving throughout this chapter. Now, there are a lot to say on giving, and I don't have the time for that. But I want us to focus on just a few of the principles of giving here today. First of all, we need to understand that giving, uh, giving and money is one of the number one topics of the Bible. Did you know that? Matter of fact, did you know that Jesus spoke about money more than he did heaven? Wow. Did you know money was used in Jesus' statement about having two masters? Now, this is the one that's really going to convict you. He said that you cannot serve God and mammon or money at the same time. And God says in this scripture, if you'll really analyze it, to true actual translation is a man that doesn't give to God, then God is not his master. Woo! But God, I do all of these wonderful, that doesn't matter. If you're not a guy or a woman that gives unto God, then God says, I'm not your master. Because I promise you this, that if you're listening to the heart of God, he's prodding you to give. He's telling you to give. He's leading you to give. He is, he is commanding you to give even in Scripture. To say that we love God but we don't give to God is a lie and we're being deceived. There are kinds of people that come to the house of God. They enjoy the worship. They enjoy getting involved in ministry. They even do work around the church. and They do all these wonderful things, and they think that that justifies the lack of giving. I want to tell you, folks, all you're doing is, is really being deceived because if you're not a giver to God, he's not your master. If you love money more than you love God, you can't serve both masters. You're being deceived by your own self-centeredness. I want to get right into the point and show you what the Lord is speaking to us about our giving. Giving is a part of the gospel. It's spiritual. Now, I, my wife says every time you preach on this, because I've only done it a handful of times in 30-some years, she said, you always mention that. I've never been the type of guy that wanted to be a preacher that gets up and begs for money or tries to make people think I'm out for the buck. I'm on a salary whether you give or whether you don't. I, you know, it's not about that. But I want to tell you something, folks. I have failed God in a lot of ways because I want to tell you something. There are people that are not going to heaven as a result of their lack of giving. They're cursed. Can I have an amen? Boy, it's getting quiet in here. Giving is a part of the gospel, and it's just as important as anything else that we do, and sometimes even more important. Giving is one of the few things that involve both blessing and cursing. Did you know you can be blessed or cursed by the way you give or by what you do or do not give? Can I have an amen? Fact number one about giving. This is fact number one. We have always been told not to expect anything out of return. We're just to give because we love God. How many has been told that? Of course we have. The truth of the matter is you can't help but receive if you give to God. You can't help it. The scripture tells us to be ready to receive. In verse 6 of our text, but I tell you, he that soweth sparingly is going to reap sparingly. He that soweth bountifully is going to reap bountifully. The Bible literally tells us that if I give and the portion that I give is going to be blessed and it's going to come back to me. That's a promise of God. God puts his uh, name on that. That whatever I sow and the measure I sow, he's going to return it back to me. 
Matter of fact, Luke 6 and 38 says, Give and it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall be given to your bosom. He says, For with the same measure that you meet, the same measure shall come back to you. In other words, folks, it's impossible for a believer not to obey God in his giving and it not bless him. You're going to be blessed if you're a giver to the kingdom of God. And matter of fact, Malachi 3 and 10, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. Prove me now here with, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing to whether or not be enough room for you to receive it. The Bible, is in, it, this is the only place in Scripture and it's the only topic that God uses the term prove me. Prove me. Try me out. See if I'm not telling you the truth. Bring your tithe into the house of God. And watch me bless you. To where there's not even enough room for you to receive, I'm going to open the windows of heaven and pour it out upon you. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all of your increase. So, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. The fact of the matter is we are to give with an expectancy of return. There's nothing wrong with us giving to God with an expectancy that God's going to turn around and bless us. The scripture reveals to us the promise of the return is actually a motivation for us to give. Give, and it shall be given to you. When you give in the kingdom of God, there's nothing wrong with you and I as believers expecting God to bless us in return. Fact number two about giving. We must have a proper attitude in our giving. Did you know it's possible for you to give and not be blessed? Amen. There are people that give, they're not cursed because they've given in obedience. The curse has been removed because they've obeyed, but they're not blessed because they've done it with a bad attitude. That was part of the first three years of my Christian life. When I gave tithes, I'm giving, I'm giving. I was not cursed. Kent Miller wasn't blessed for a long time because I'd done it grudgingly. My heart wasn't in it. Giving it for the wrong reasons. I, I don't want a spanking, so I'll give. Come on, I don't want cursed, so I'll give. And the Bible tells us in verse 7 that God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. The word cheerful here is a Greek word that means hilarious giver or a willing giver. You know what God wants out of his people to be real, to be genuine, and be willing to give because of your love for him. God wants us to give willingly and cheerfully. He wants us to give hilariously as if it's a great joy and privilege that we have the, that we have the opportunity. And it's our delight to give to God. How many of you have love just wanting to give, to, love giving to God? He wants to see the Christian with an attitude where they can't hardly wait to give. How many of you came here this morning excited about offering time? Well, I can't wait till the offering gets here. Boy, I wish that worship would hurry up. I can't wait to give. Come on. No, you know what our attitude is? Why do you put worship in the middle of the service? It kills everything. It kills the flow of the service. I want to tell you, if an offering kills the flow of the service, we got a problem in the church. Because I want to tell you something. Offering is a higher form of worship than worship itself. You know why? Because worship is an expression, but giving is a manifestation of fruit. And when we come into the house of God and we worship with our expression, God wants to say, okay, now let me see when offering time comes up uh, how real your worship really was. 
those that bounced around all over the seats and had their hands up praising God and magnifying God. But then when worship really comes of taking up an offering, let's see how genuine their real worship was. Was their worship nothing but a matter of expression or was it really true a manifestation? I'll find out by the fruit and the evidence is by the way that they give. Woo! Wow, it's hard to swallow. That's what Paul's saying here. How many of us come looking forward to the time of the service when we just had the opportunity to give something back to God? We look forward to that. None of us really have really paid attention to it like that, have we? How many of us really think of what kind of spiritual significance offering has to play in the kingdom of God and how much it really is, what kind of spiritual applications involved? Sometimes there's more done in the altar services as a result of what we responded in offering than anything else that we do. Because God reads the true, true intent of our heart by the way that we give. Amen? It's getting tight in here. Look at somebody and say, hey, let's, let's get in this thing with this pastor. Hallelujah. Verse 7 of our text, Paul tells us not to give grudgingly. Here's my tithes. There it is. Take it demanding thing. Come on. And he tells us not to give out of necessity. In other words, don't be giving, wanting to return for selfish reasons. Now hold on. I'm in a spot. So I'll give to God and God will give back to me and he'll meet my need. I've seen people get in financial need. They never pay tithes and all of a sudden they'll start paying tithes so that God will meet their need. Ooh. God tells you don't be doing it for that purpose. It's not wrong to expect a return, but it's wrong to give if that's the full reason and the purpose for your giving. Because God did not promise a return so that it would create uh, uh, lustful and greedy intentions within us and cause us to become ungodly. We're not to give out of a necessity, out of a will, but, but out of a willing and cheerful heart, a heart of gratitude. We're not to be pressured into giving. We're not to be forced into giving. We're not to be given out a false pretense. And folks, don't be caught up in this emotional, emotional impulse giving where they show a tape of a starving child and all of a sudden you got all this pressure and people are breathing down your neck. Give, 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 give. And all of a sudden out of pressure and out of emotion, you give. God don't want you to give like that. We're to be cheerful, deliberately, trustfully, and hilariously given to God as he directs us in obedience to the word and as he gives us the spirit to direct us. God told us about his return because it would help secure us in our giving because it would assure us that he'll take care of us. We can take rest in the fact of God's promises. I want to tell you, the promise of return may help motivate us to give, but only out of security reasons and not out of lustful reasons. We can give with assurance that God will provide. He will take care of us. And we won't fall into despair, but we don't give just to get. There's a teaching out there, well, if I give 1,000, God will give me 10,000. That's wrong motivation for, for, for giving. A cheerful heart gives 1,000 expecting a return so they can give more. They enjoy giving. They understand the divine laws of giving. You give to get. And the more you get, it's for the purpose of giving more. It's like the more that God can get through you, the more he'll get to you. Amen? In return, we're secure in the promises of God as we learn this art of giving. Verse 8 of our text, I love this, watch. And God is able, say able. Do you believe that? You believe God's able to make all grace abound? You believe it? Now here's the hard part. Do you believe that God's able to make all grace abound toward you. 
I can believe it for maybe Bob, but do I believe it for myself? I believe it for Bill, but can, can't believe it for himself. God is able to make all grace abound toward Kent so that he will always, not some of the time, always have all sufficiency. Hear that? Let me stop now. Think about it. And God's able to make Bob abound toward, toward uh, uh, grace abound toward Bob so that he will always have all sufficiency in all things so that he can abound into good works. Wow. You know what that scripture's telling us as believers? We're rich. What more could you want? God making all grace abound towards you in all things and always, all the time, you're having all sufficiency in everything. For what reason? So that you can abound into good works. God's blessed you so you can do good works with it. That's what it's for. Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God will supply the needs of true givers. When a Christian man's needs aren't being met, there are only one or two or three things that's out of sync. First of all, God promises to meet your need. David said, I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. If our needs are not being met, and I'm talking about legitimate needs, if they're not being met, we really need to find out what's wrong because something's out of sync. Because my God has promised to take care of his people. Amen? God promises that we can have blessings enough to meet the demands on our lives. If needs are not being met, then what's the problem? Possibility, number one, there isn't the proper giving. They're not faithful in tithes and offerings. As a matter of fact, I would like to preach on there for a long time, but I can't because of time. But I want you to know, folks, there is a blessing to those that tithe and give. Now, second of all, if you're a tither and you're a giver, but you're still not having all your needs met, then maybe there's not the proper attitude in your giving. Maybe you developed that kind of concept that you given to consume things upon your own lust and God can't bless you the way that he wants to bless you. You've not become a hilarious giver, a cheerful giver, a willing giver. You've not become that person that has looked at it as a joy to be able to respond to the needs of God's kingdom and the needs of the people around us. The kingdom sometimes is never thought of by a man, but the more that they get, they get, they consume it upon them own selves. And the third, you know, Jesus even said in Matthew 6, 19, 21, lay up not yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust do corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust do corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We have some of the most giving people that I've ever seen in my life in this church. And we have given more resources out from this church to missions, to thousands upon thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. People don't even know this, but at one time, and if you would, it ain't always the average, of course, but at one time we was being asked so much of the, from the church. I had Terry, I said, Terry, just put down an average, uh, put down everybody that asked for something, and then let's average it out. And that when she done it, it was $30,000 a month that we were asked for. $30,000, which, you know, that's impossible unless God wants to give to that. And then you got to siphon through what God wants you to give because you're not to give unto un, un, unfertile ground. Amen? 
No, I got to wait just a minute. The The true thought of all of this is, folks, that God wants us to give as he commands us to give in the area that he wants us to give, and then we are to give cheerfully, hilariously, willingly, and then God will bless us. Amen? The third flat, you must prepare and you must position yourself to give. Here's the number one problem in America. The sad truth in America is that many don't give because they have gotten themselves in a place financially where they seem that they can't give. They make more than they've ever made before in their lives, but they have less than they've ever had because they're so far in debt. Hello? Their giving was more spent on themselves, consuming things upon themselves, and they tried to live in a high standard than what God desired for them to live. And the very thing that they're desiring, if they would wait and do God's principles, they would even live way above and beyond where they're living now. Amen? And there are so many people that say, I can't pay my tithes if I do. You know, I'm strapped financially. Then your problem is you've not learned how to budget the rest of the 90 and be a good steward of what God's given you. Hello? God's not only commanded you to be a giver of 10% and then your offerings, you're not even considered given until you give your offerings because command is a, a, the tithe is a command. But then the blessings come as you willingly give above and beyond that in offering. Did you know the history tells us that all the Old Testament Jews gave at least one half of their income, their total income to, to the kingdom of God in the Old Testament under law? The Hindus still do it today. One half of their income. I'm not telling you to do that. J.C. Penney worked himself up till he gave 90% of everything he made away and he kept 10%. And the more that he gave away, the more his company prospered and his 10% made him a billionaire, a millionaire, multiple millions of dollars. And now the company's about to fold because the sons never followed through with what dad did. Can I have an amen? We're living in a time that we have to understand that many, uh, many are giving, trying to get themselves out of debt. We got this teaching saying, well, if you're in debt and you don't have any money, you just go out here and start throwing all these big seed offerings. Give $1,000. I want to tell you, if you don't have $1,000, don't give $1,000. Hello? Don't write a check. One preacher said, don't worry about what you got in the bank account. Write me a check for a certain amount of money. And if you'll believe by faith, God will take and put money in that bank. You know what happened? The check bounced. Let's not get foolish here. It's true that God will supply our needs if we give. It's true that God will bless us if we give. But the simple fact is you can't rob Peter to pay Paul and expect a blessing. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 8 and 12 says in our text. For if there be first a willing mind, that's the first thing you got to have, is accepted according to that a man hath and not according to he has not. Don't give with what you don't have. Look at what you're able to give. Budget it. Think it through. Don't get caught up in this moment of emotion and throw something in an offering plate that God never told you to give and then you get home and your kid don't have no milk and your kids don't have no diapers and you're wondering, I gave, why didn't God bless? Am I preaching okay? When a man makes a bill, he's obligated himself to that man to pay it, but I want to tell you something else. God also obligates himself to pay it. The man not only expects him to pay his bills, but God expects us to pay our bills. 
And according to the scripture, you haven't even started giving until you give offerings. And some people say, I can't pay no offerings. I can't pay no tithes because I'm so far in debt. Then God's saying, get you a budget. Budget your home. Put your financial giving in that budget. Start working your way out of the hole. Don't get crazy. Count your costs. And then begin to set yourself on a plane that you can start bountifully giving to God. And look at how much you're spending on yourself versus you're spending to the kingdom of God. And if they're not close or equally matched, then you got to work toward that. But when you get to that, God will start pouring it on. And you'll, you'll literally begin to find out being obedient in your giving or work yourself out of a hole. Can I have an amen? Would you stand with me this morning? Oh, this is a hard topic for me. I'm very uncomfortable with it. Acts 11 and 29 says, Then the disciples, every man according to his ability. Did you hear that? Determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt at Judea. What did they do? Everybody didn't give the same amount of money. They gave according to their ability. If a guy's got a multiple amount of money and another's got a limited amount of money. If a person gives $100 and they got, you know, and they've got 1000 and another person gives 1000 he's got 10000 they've given the equal amount. Can I have an amen? They've given the equal percentage. But here the Bible literally says, when the disciples seen that there was a need, now they done paid their tithes and offering, but a need rose up to the brethren in Judea, and they said they looked and they, done, they gave according to their ability. Some gave 10, some gave 5, some gave 100, some gave 5,000, whatever. Whatever their ability was. But, the, but we are to give proportionally. This is why it's so important that we understand that God wants us to learn how to become a real cheerful giver and that we become good stewards of what we have. Because the kingdom of God, folks, functions it moves, it grows, it expands only by the operation and the willingness of people to fund it. The kingdom of God is a business. It takes money, a lot of money. Can I have an amen? God's wanting us in this new year to set priorities and saying, I'm going to get myself in a place I'm going to give because if I don't give, I'm going to be cursed. But I'm going to start setting my place to where I'm going to start getting some of these debts paid off. And I'm not going to be foolish. Instead of paying all these credit cards and all of these bills and all of this interest to bankers and stuff, I'm going to live a little bit more, uh, more, uh, more, more conservative so that I'll have more to give to the kingdom of God. And I promise you that me and Jenny, when the boys were young, she asked me, she was working, and she said when she had her first child, can I stay home and raise this child? I said, sure. Well, when the second one came, she wanted to do the same thing. When the third one came, she wanted to do the same thing. When the grandkid comes, she wanted to do the same thing. When the next grandkid came, she wanted to do the same thing. And here's this eight grandkids and three boys she's raised, not worked out of the home. All the income that we live off of is my income. My income, you've blessed me, but it's, you know, it's, it's not an income that you, you think you could do that. It's impossible. You got to have two people working to make ends meet nowadays. I hear all the time about people in the church, how the wife makes this and the husband makes that. And I think, wow, I wish we made that. But on the flip side of the coin, we have chose that our priority 
is to make sure that we try to raise our kids and grandkids to the best of our ability and it's more important to us than her going to work for us to have more. And so we've sacrificed. We've budgeted. We've lived very close to budgets. There's times that we've, it's got close. We've been tested over and over and over and over and over and over. There's been times you think I ought to go out and get a job. Nope. And then there's times when God would come along and this is the time I knew that God was going to take me to another level when I'd save up vacation money and I'd put it over I mean constantly saving constantly putting back constantly juggling we fight over laundry money if she finds it she says it's mine I do the laundry I said you snooze you lose if I go by there and there's money it's mine and she don't pick it up very fast. I do. I got a big old jar. We cashed it in the other day, and we had almost $2,000 worth of change. They come out of pants pockets and laundry and saving all the, oh man. and she took that money and hid it in somewhere in the house, and I don't know where it's at. But we've, we've scrambled. We, we've had to be on these budgets. And I said, it's important for you to raise your grandchildren. You don't have to go to work. God will make it away. But every single time when it would get a little bit tight, God would seem to put us in a mission service or put us in a camp meeting or put us in a service like this. Speak to me or speak to her. Give $500 to so-and-so. God, you know what? We could give $500 to so-and-so or give 1000 over here. But God, I've saved so long to get that amount to give it. And turn around and give it. And within just a few months, I'd get triple that back. Somebody just write something in the mail. I just had you on my mind. I thought you could be blessed. Boom, I'd be out. Be out. Uh, one week, I went out at lunch. Never bought a lunch that whole week. Everybody bought my lunch that week. And I thought, dear God, if you'll tell me to give another 500 somewhere real fast, I'll do it. Every time I turned around, I gave a pair of shoes away one time. And for I don't know how many years, I never bought another pair of shoes. People just, Bob Fisher brought me three brand new pair. I gave it away on a Sunday night. And that week, he'd come up and say, I don't know why, but the Lord told me to give you these. And if they'll fit you and they not only fit, I wore them things smack down about three different pairs of brand new shoes. God knows how to bless you if you'll be a blessing. God knows how to put money and resources in your path if you'll be willing to let him be the Lord of those resources. But let me give you a warning. There are also people here in this service that are doing quite well and you're not paying tithes and you're not paying offerings. You don't see the end of the curse. Your curse is coming and your kingdom's going to crumble. And then when it does, you're going to think, oh my goodness, I put all my trust into this and look at it. The works of my own hands is caved in on me and it's gone just like that. Because I want to tell you, God says if you don't pay tithes, you're cursed. It'll be like putting money in pockets with holes in it. I'll get it one way or the other. Isn't that true? That's the word of God. And you may be storing it up and one little situation come by and knock it all out. Just like that. We had a Serious problem with Samuel when he was born. Owed the hospital several thousands of dollars because I'd quit Gates to go full time in the ministry and was in the period between the 
quitting of the job and taking on the new job. And that week that he was born was the week we had no insurance. Isn't that crazy? I don't know how that all worked. But we owe these several thousands of dollars. What are we going to do? We get a call from the hospital and they wanted to meet us on a budget plan to pay off this several thousands of dollars. I'm the only one working. We're working on the salary of the beginning stage of the church was very, very low. We walk in and we sit down and this woman starts talking and I'm misunderstanding her and I'm trying to work the best deal I know how. Finally, Jesus said, shut up, she's trying to bless you. Shut up, she's trying, finally, she can't, be quiet, listen to her. She said, well, the board got together and they looked at your case, they seen you was a minister and everything and we just want to bless you. We're gonna wipe the bill completely off. But we've always been faithful. I can tell you story after story after story. My car wore out. Walter Witham was an old man that lived on the east side, very faithful to our church. And the old car smoked, transmission slipping. We're going all over the country in it just by faith. It was an old green, lime green LTD Ford with an orange top. We were in hog heaven, wasn't we? Woo. And I drove up in that old car and old Walter looked at it and he said, you need to be driving a better car. That ain't, that ain't dependable. He said, why ain't you got a new car? I said, I, I, just, I just can't afford them payments right now, Mr. Whiffin, and I'm doing okay. And he sat there and talked for him for a few minutes and he said, excuse me for a minute. And he left and he come back in the living room carrying a shoebox. And he opened that shoebox and pulled out the biggest wad of cash you've ever seen in your life. And he took a big portion of that and he handed it and put it in my hand. He said, you go buy yourself a new car. You want me to tell you other stories? I can tell you story after story after story. Never asking for it. Needing the land finished here at the church. Brad Jolly is doing it all for free. He ends up dying on us in the middle of the project. We had about $30,000 worth of more dirt to move. I went into prayer and I said, God, we've been a faithful church. We've been a faithful uh, pastor. What are we going to do? I've got, I'm the leader and it's all on my shoulders. I'm going to look like a fool because now we can't go any further because this hurdle, we never expected this to happen. Went and seen a man to give, took a man with me to get a job at a certain place. And because I have influence in that place and I walked in with him I said man I'd like for you to meet so and so and and he needs a job and they hired him to get on the job he said can't come back here in my office for a minute I went in the office next thing I know he's writing me a check and he hands it to me I look down and it's for $30,000 paid for all of the dirt moving for this building to be sitting on the rest of it don't tell me that God don't know how to meet your needs don't tell me that God ain't faithful. Don't tell me that when you're down and you don't have nothing, that's when you're the strongest because God said, I'll still make all, all things and always giving you all sufficiency to meet the need. God will pour it through you if he can get it. He'll pour it to He'll give it to you if he can pour it through you. Be a giver. Start this year out as being a giver. Amen. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus right now, I pray over this congregation that this message will not fall on deaf ears.
our hardened hearts. And there is a hard time of us to be tested at times. There's times that you do pull on us to get beyond what we think we should. But when we know it's you, we are to step out and obey. Just like the little woman at Zerapath, she gave her only cake, all that she had. She didn't get beyond what she had, but she gave all she had. And God, you in return filled her meal barrels and you blessed her by the prophet's hand. I pray now, God, that you give this congregation same like faith. That everybody under the sound of my voice that's having a struggle with giving, let them know that it's because their, their discipleship is not completely mature at this point and they need to work in that area that they can bring forth fruit, that they can bring forth evidences, God, of their Christian maturity. I pray blessings upon those that try it and I pray, God, that you'll overwhelm them and show them your wonderful grace in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. May the Lord bless you this morning.